Um, hey, listen, if this is your first time with us, man, we're so glad that you are here to visit the Ridge. And we want you to experience a few things when you're at the Ridge, okay? When we say experience the Ridge, we want you to experience... Number one, the love of Jesus Christ, because we believe his love is what gives us eternal life, but also that's the future part of things. We also believe that his love transforms us right here, right now. Um, and we want that transformation for you. So we want you to know the love of Jesus Christ and also the love of an amazing church family. We love being a part of the Ridge, and we want you to find your place here. So we're glad you're here. Now, I hope that you're having a great start to your Christmas season. Um, I hope your home is filled with a whole lot of Christmas cheer. And we started a brand new series last week focused on Christmas cheer. It's focused really on joy, how to find it, how to keep it. And the reason we say that is because joy can feel kind of elusive sometimes. It can almost feel like it's rare, uh, not, not only to have joy, but to have the kind of joy that lasts, like that is with us for a while. Because I'll be honest with you, there are so many things out there that steal our joy. In fact, I got a couple of examples for you of a few things that steal my joy. I want to see if you agree with this. One is one that I use all the time. It's just traffic. Traffic takes my joy. Anybody just traffic take your joy away from you? Okay. More specifically, when it comes to traffic, are the people that do not move when the red light turns green because they're looking down at their phone. They are joy stealers. Anybody else? Y'all with me on that? And that's illegal anyway. Shane, isn't that illegal? That's illegal, right? Yeah, he's not. No comment. Um, how many of y'all give those people that do that? You give them about a half a second and you're a honker. You honk at them. Any honkers out here? Yes. How many of y'all are married to a honker and it drives you crazy? Yes. Hey, listen, y'all don't, listen, you don't want to admit it, but you need people like us in your life, okay? That's the truth. You do. All right. That, 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 I use that example all the time. That steals my joy. You know what else steals my joy? Y'all, this happened to me last week and I just thought about this. I was like, oh, this is the worst. Motion-censored sinks, kind of out there a little bit, steal my joy because they, do you ever get those things to work? I, I can never get those things to work. The other day, like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get the sink to turn on, and it gives me a, you know, a little bit of water before it turns off, and then finally after, then I go over to the soap dispenser, it's the same thing, like, I got to fiddle with it for five minutes to get soap, I get all lathered up, and then I cannot get the sink to turn back on. I don't know if it's on a timer, I don't know what happens, but I got soapy hands, no water, and no joy, okay? So, I don't know if that hits your radar at all. And those are minor things, but there are a lot of things out there that take our joy away. And honestly, it can feel like it's hard to find. It's hard to find the joy that we're looking for. The joy that sustains. Like, the joy that just stays with us. So what we did was, we started last week with a memory verse. It's not the typical Christmas verse. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll give you that. But it does talk about the joy and how to find that joy that we're looking for during the Christmas season when everything around us is pointing to the hope and the joy of Jesus coming into the world. So here's the verse, and I'll remind you, it comes from Romans 15, 13, and it says this. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. There's the joy. God wants to fill you with joy, okay? And the, how that happens is because, Paul goes on to tell us, because you trust in him. And then when you do that, like when you put your trust in him, then what happens as a result of that is that you'll overflow with confident hope. That's the hope that we're looking for, the peace that we need that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is our verse. 
And, and what I want to focus on today is, do we really believe this? Like, do we really believe what this verse is teaching us? Because if we do, then what this verse is telling us is that the only hope we have, or the lasting hope, or the lasting joy that we're after, comes from putting our trust in God. Jesus alone is that source. And when we trust in Him, when we lean into Him, if He's the one that we're really trusting, well, then that's when, that's when we're filled, right? That's when we're filled so much that the Scripture says we overflow, we overflow with the hope, right, and the joy that we're looking for. You see, I, I think that in a lot of ways our, our belief drives our behavior. And if I think about my, my behavior, my choices, when you think about your behavior and your cho- the choices that you make each and every day, do they really reflect the choices that you make Do they really reflect what you believe about this verse? Because if I use myself as an example, and if I'm being honest with you, sometimes my behavior doesn't match what I believe on how to receive joy. And here's why. And here's why it might be the same for you. It's because sometimes what I tend to do is I drift into selfishness. right? I drift into what I want and less of what God wants. You know, I'm selfish in life. We're all selfish at the root core. And what we end up doing is we trust in ourselves. We trust in these things that we tell ourselves that we need in order to receive joy. And the crazy thing about this is is that we drift. We drift when we trust in these other things, when we trust in ourselves. We drift away from God. And that drift just happens in life. To where one day when we're trusting in other things, when we're trusting in ourselves, we wake up and we're further away from God than we ever expected to be. Because that's what happens. Like, you know, that's how drifting works, right? No one ever drifts closer to God, right? It's not like you just wake up one day from doing nothing, from trusting in nothing or not trusting in Him. You just wake up one day and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe how close I feel to God, right? I can't believe how much joy. That's not how it works. Usually how it works is when we're not trusting in Him daily, when we're not making a conscious effort, like that, 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 that's when we drift. And that's when we end up further away from God. And that happens when I find myself thinking more about myself rather rather than trusting in Him. And that's when I drift, and that's when the joy, the joy just kind of slips away. Why do we do this? Why do we drift? Why do we trust in other things? You know why we do that? A lot of it has to do with the fact that we've bought into the big lie. Okay, there is a lie that's been that's been in front of us ever since the beginning of time. And here's the lie. The lie is, I will experience joy and peace when I get what I want. Right? I I would have just, I would have so much more joy and peace if people would just listen to me, right, and give me what I want. And I end up putting my trust in, in, in what I want. And honestly, I really do believe. Like, if I get this, then I will have the joy that I'm looking for. And this happens to all of us. It happens all the time. But it really happens during the Christmas season. I mean, be honest. We, we all have those Christmas gifts, that, those wish list items that we're like, man, I better get this or else, right? My family's going to be like, they better be listening to me. Like, I better get, I better unwrap a new Apple iPhone 15 titanium on, you know, on Christmas morning or else, you know, nobody's been paying attention to me and nobody really knows. You know, 
We really believe, and, and maybe it's not you personally, but maybe it's for your kids, and you're like, man, I've just got to get this thing. I got, I'm trusting in this to bring the Christmas cheer because if I don't get this or if we don't have this, then Christmas is just going to be ruined. We do this all the time. There are so many, so many examples of this. In fact, I brought some examples of some Christmas past items that were the big items that decade on people's Christmas wish list. So, for instance, back in the 60s, the big item that everybody had to have in order to receive joy was the Etch-A-Sketch. Do y'all remember the Etch-A-Sketch? Y'all know my joke with the Etch-A-Sketch, right? This is what we call an Etch-A-Sketch, or if you root for the University of Alabama, this is what they call an iPad. I'm s- I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm still bitter. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm praying that Jesus works on me, okay? I'm pray- y'all pray for me, okay? It's hard. It's hard. Anyway, 60s, Etch-A-Sketch. Let's move on. <laughs> I love that joke. The 70s was the Rubik's Cube. How many of you have ever solved the Rubik's Cube? Let me see. Raise your hand. Nobody? Okay, we got a few. Okay, a few people. How many of y'all were like me and you peeled the stickers off and then put them back? Oh, there we go. There's my people right there. Yes, that's exactly. All right, in the 80s, what was the 80s? Uh, Transformers. More than meets the eye. Still, still one of my favorite guests, Tatry. And then in the 90s, we had, what was it? Oh, Tickle Me Elmo. I never really got this one. I don't know. But this is the first one that I, I really remember people fighting for in the stores, you know? because they just had to have it for Christmas joy. Um, and then the next decade, what was it? The, oh, the razor, the scooter. How many of y'all hurt yourself on Christmas morning with one of these? Let me see. Okay, how many of you hurt yourself on this right after saying, everybody watch this? Yes, yeah, famous last words, yeah. Okay, all right. And then in 2010s, it was a toss between the BB-8 Star Wars. I remember these little things that uh, cruised around. And then Elsa. Elsa Frozen doll, of course, you know. So think back, whatever that big gift was for you. Whatever that big gift that you just had to have, right, just asked for. If you didn't get it, you probably were upset. You may have even sulked a little bit, just like Ralphie did when he didn't get the Red Rider BB gun. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. <laughs> almost, huh? Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yep. No worse words to hear than there's always next Christmas, right? But if you did get what you wanted, and you happen to unwrap that perfect gift, well then, you might have felt like Ralphie did right here. love it. Man, I love this movie. Watch it every year. I was like, how can I use the lamp as an example? I couldn't figure out how to get... <laughs> Give me time. Give me time. I'm working on it. Um, but little Ralphie, man, he had joy, right? And that joy lasted until he shot his eye out, right? <laughs> I remember the story, right? 
Um, and that joy that we experience, man, when we finally get what we want, man, that joy is so great and it lasts like a whole two hours, right? Or maybe into the afternoon before you're done playing with it or when you get older, maybe it lasts for a couple days when you get what you want. Maybe if you're lucky, it might even last a couple of weeks. But then what do you do? Like, once you're done with that item and you don't have the joy that you think it should bring, you just move on to the next thing, right? And it's just this cycle that just, just continues to repeat in our lives. And, you know, adults are no different. Like I said, the older we get, it's not just Christmas gifts, but it's, it's jobs, it's money, it's relationships, it's commitments. There are these glimpses of joy, but nothing that we ever really find sustains that joy in our lives, right? It's, it's like once we get it, we're like, man... This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And we believe this big lie, and I like how Rick Warren puts it. He says, we believe this when and then. This is the big lie, when and then. right? When I get this, then I'll have Christmas cheer. When, when, when I get this, then I'll have everything I ever want. When I get this, then that's going to be the key that I'm looking for that will bring the joy that I need in my life. And we fall for it every time. This lie. This lie that has to do with results in life, the result of receiving this, the result of attaining this, the result of accomplishing this, right? But what we see in Scripture is that joy isn't tied to results. Joy is tied to relationships, right? Lasting joy is found in relationships, more specifically in a relationship with Jesus. This lie of believing results and joy has been with us, though, for all time, ever since the beginning of Scripture. And we see this throughout the Bible. In fact, what I want to do is I want to weave a couple of stories together that shows you that this when and then type of thinking was something that the Israelites struggled with in the Old Testament. You see, you remember the story where they were enslaved with Pharaoh, right? They spent hundreds of years slaved in Egypt... And then one day, they just kept thinking, well, when we get out of Egypt, then we'll be set. They're focused on the results. And then when they have their freedom and God leads them out, now they're thinking the next thing. What's the next thing that will bring joy? And they start thinking about the promised land. Well, when we get the promised land, then we'll have peace. And when that happens, then their focus shifts to the temple. When we have the temple, then we'll have joy. And then when we defeat our enemies, then and when and then and when and then. And it just keeps Going on and on and on again. We see that they, they put their hope in the results and not necessarily the relationship. Not necessarily in the one that could deliver those results that they're looking for. And because of this, what happens throughout Scripture is they keep drifting further and further away from God. From the relationship with the one that loved them, that cared for them, that wanted to provide for them. What they actually did was they acted like everybody else. They had like every other nation in the world. They just kept pursuing and running after all these different things and all these different items and all these different people, all these different things to serve in life. And there's no greater example of this than when the Israelites went to the prophet, to the prophet Samuel. And they asked Samuel, they asked Samuel to tell God something for them, okay? And something that just probably just just uh, just hurt the heart of God. 
me share this story with you. Let me set this up. You see, we got to remember that, that God's the one that rescued the Israelites from captivity, right? They, like, the Israelites were God's people. Like, he wanted to have that relationship with them that would be different from the rest of the world. He, was, he even told them, he's like, I'm going to make you a nation to all nations. Like, you're going to be that example. And so he is with them. He has led them. He has been patient with them. He has loved them. He's even given them a way to live so they can have the best life while they're here, right? He wants that, though. He wants to be the one that is relied upon, that they're trusting for everything. He wants that strong relationship with them. So a little while later, though, the people, the Israelites continue with this when and then type of thinking, so they come up to Samuel. And Samuel is prophet, which means that Samuel's the one that delivered God's word to his people, right? So they come up to Samuel and they're like, here's, we got something, we want you to ask God for this, okay? Here's, here's the next thing we want. And so they, they, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4, these are in your message notes if you got them. It says, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. He said, look, look. They told him, you're now old and your sons are not like you. Okay, so they come up to Samuel and they're like, listen, the, the board of directors, right, the elders that are there, they're like, listen, this, this whole thing with God and the prophets, like, that's kind of old school and it's been good and it served its purpose and it served its time. Like, we appreciate, Samuel, everything that you have done. But let's be honest, you're getting old, it's getting time for you to retire, and your sons, mm, your son, look, we'll just say they're a few fries short of a Happy Meal, right? Like, they're not, they're not all there. We're not really trusting in them. So here's what we want you to do, okay? We're ready to be like everybody else. Because we see what everybody else is doing. We see how everybody else trusts their systems. So here's their request. He says, give us a king. We want a king. Like, not God to lead us. Okay. We want a king to judge us like all the other nations have, like everybody else has. Because they're looking around at everybody else and they're like, this, this is obviously what we need. Like this, this is where we're going to get joy. Like this is where we're going to find happiness if we're just like everybody else. So when we get a king, then everything will be great. So look at the next verse. Samuel knew this was a bad idea. Samuel was displeased with their request, but they wanted him to talk to God, so he took they took the request to the Lord for guidance. Samuel's just got to be shaking his head. He's like, this is not what God wants. I know that this is not what he wants. So how does God feel with this request? You see, God has always wanted the Israelites to be his people, like to be the one that they trusted in. Not like the other kingdom. The other kingdoms all had their kings, right? But God wanted the Israelites to be different. Like God wanted to be their king, right? So now basically what they're saying is, we don't want you anymore. We, we want a king like everybody else. When we get that. So here's what the Lord replied. It hurt him, just like it would hurt us. The Lord replied, listen, Samuel, they're rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king anymore. And this had to hurt. This had to hurt God. And I can't... I don't know how to describe this type of relationship that God had with his people. The only, the only way that I could probably describe this, and I know not everybody's a parent, but would be like, like, like a child coming up to a parent and saying, I want a new parent, right? I would be devastated if my girls came up to me 
And they were like, listen, I know everything you've done. I know, you know, everything. We're just, we're very grateful, but we want another dad. Like, we want another dad like the ones we see on social media or something like that. We want someone else. Or maybe, maybe it's not a child to a parent, but maybe it's a parent saying they want a different child. And honestly, even as I say this, I know that some people have probably experienced this and the hurt that must have happened. Maybe, maybe this is just a little bit of an inkling of what God must be going through in this request when they're asking for someone else, for something else, trusting in something else. Saying, when we get a new king, when we get someone different, not God, then we'll be happy, we'll know joy and peace. And we look at this story and we're like, how in the world could they say that? Like, what would lead them to this moment? How naive could they be? And yet... Thousands of years later, we do the same thing. We just, it just sounds different now. We say things like instead of trusting in God, we say things like, oh, when I get a little bit more money in my bank account, then I'll have joy. Or maybe it's a relationship with someone. You know, when I, a husband, or a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a group of friends, like when I attain this or have this, then I'll have joy. Or maybe it's our job, or maybe it's the corner office, or maybe it's a pay raise. Or maybe it's accomplishments or trophies. Like when I achieve this, people will notice it. They will notice me then. Then I'll have joy. Or maybe it's just toys. And like I said before, adults still have toys. They're just different toys. It just costs a lot more. You know, it's like when I get a car, when I get a house, when I get a vacation, when I get what everybody else has, like I'm trusting that what I see on social media and what I see in there, like when I get that, then I will experience the joy that I'm after. And the problem is, the problem is, is that when we put our trust in these things, in a lot of ways, we act just like Israel. And what we're doing is we're putting someone else or something else on the throne. And we think that this king, this new king, this different type of king, that this is what I'm looking for. And when I do that, and when I'm trusting in something else, what I end up doing is I end up serving whatever I make king. And the truth is, you know what? We're all prone to trust things in life. We, 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 have, this, we have this longing in our heart that God placed in there for us to come after him, and yet we, 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 we use that for other things in life. We go after other things instead of God. We try to put other things in that place of God. I'm the same way. If I can just be honest with you, it was a, for me, it was achievements. For me, it was accomplishments. You know, this was, this was ever since I was in school. Whatever, whatever I was involved in, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you can relate to this, but I always had to be the best at it. Like when I found like I was good at something, I had to be the best. So when it, whether it was in the uh, music department or a tennis team or whatever it is, I had to be the one that was on the stage at the end of the year receiving the, the MVP or the you know, accomplishing something, like I had to be that person. And when I was, I had joy. And then that kind of transferred into my ministry. And when I was a youth director, when I was a college minister, like I needed to have the largest groups and then I needed to be recognized for that. And then move into, even when we started the Ridge and we started this church, there is... This church has received every award that the South Georgia Conference has to offer. And I, in my 30s, like, I, I received the one award each year that's given to a pastor that's usually you know, something that they wait until the end of someone's career. And then I already got that. And every time, 
I'm constantly looking to be noticed. I was constantly wanting that affirmation. And I thought the next big thing, that next accomplishment, would bring the joy that I was looking for in my career, and yet it never lasted. And there was a time in my career when I finally started to see, you know what, I don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. And I still remember having lunch with someone that reminded me that, that you are a child, like your identity is wrapped up in a child of God, not in, not in what you do, not in what you accomplish. In fact, the Holy Spirit living in me and accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior and what he came to, to do for me, like that's the greatest accomplishment of all. Why would I put anything else on the throne and serve those things thinking that it's going to sustain me when it doesn't? And what I found is that as soon as I put something else on that pedestal, on that throne in life, then, then as, soon as, as soon as that came off, I would just replace it with something else. And it just kept cycling. And yet I never was able to find the joy that sustained. And you know what? As soon as I say that, and as soon as I give it, you know, it may not be accomplishments for you. It may be or achievements or awards or anything like that. Maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's something else entirely. And as soon as I say this, though, some of you are probably like, yeah, but, yeah, but preacher, I don't know, but I, I'm having joy right now because I did just accomplish this. Like, I've got a lot of joy. You should see what just happened to me, like what, what I've been able to achieve or what I've just gotten in life. Things are pretty good. Honestly, though, like I said before, the joy comes, but it never lasts. And there's no greater example of this than the Israelites asking for their king. Because when they got kings, I mean, let's be honest. Some of these kings were pretty cool. They were pretty great. I mean, we got kings that we still talk about, like King David, King Solomon. Like, these were legit people, and there were big moments, but it didn't last. Even though they were good guys, they, they made terrible gods. They, they weren't worthy to be worshipped. Those, those kings could not sustain the joy for the kingdom of Israel anymore. And over time, and as you read the Bible, and as you get through the Old Testament, you'll start to see things just get worse, and things get terrible, and they start spiraling out of control. And we find Israel, sooner or later, they're being conquered and divided and ultimately lost and undone and broken. And what we find is that when you trust in something that's not worth trusting in, regret and destruction will be the result every time. Let me say that again. When you trust in something that's not trustworthy, regret and destruction will be the result every time. And it may not come immediately, but it will come. And for some of us, we have a hard time with this idea of trust because we feel like that's where we are. Like we're like the Israelites. We're broken and we don't know where to start. Things are hopeless. We feel scared. Because we've put other things on the throne. We've been going after all this and all that. We've never really put our trust in God. In fact, if you get down to it, some of us feel like we've ignored God. Not even ignored him, but maybe even a step further. Like we've disobeyed God. And preacher, I could give you example after example of why God wouldn't want to have a relationship with me. And maybe that's how you feel today. But I want you to know, Israel could have said the same thing. 
I want you to see something about God, and I want you to see something about God's heart with Israel as an example. Even with misplaced trust, even with disobedience, God still comes after them. Like, this is a crazy story of a God that continues to pursue his people. He's all about the relationship. He's not about the results. And as long as a relationship is possible, man, God's coming after you and he's going to pursue you. That's why we say every Sunday here at the Ridge, we want you to experience that kind of love because it changes who you are. And we see this with Israel, even with this when and then type of thinking where they're constantly looking for the next big thing. God never leaves them. God is constantly pursuing them. I'm reading through the book of Jeremiah right now. Another prophet. Jeremiah says this to the people of Israel. This is God's words to the people of Israel. When, they're, when the kings have failed them and the kingdom is under attack. This is God's word. He says, pay attention, people of Judah. Change your ways and start living right. Then I will, keep, I will let you keep living in your own country. Don't fool yourselves in saying, my temple is here in Jerusalem. But that doesn't mean that it will protect you. This is, this is what the people of Israel, they just couldn't learn. Like They just kept trusting in other things. And there was part of the people that was like, hey, listen, as long as the temple is here, nobody's going to mess with us because God wouldn't let anything happen to the temple. Or they're looking at other nations and they're like, surely they wouldn't disrespect us by doing anything to the temple. So as long as we trust that the temple's here, everything's good. And God's like, no, 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 no you're still missing it. You're still trusting in these other things. So he continues in the same verse. He says, but just look at what's happening. You put your trust in worthless lies. Lie after lie. The big lie of when and then, when this, then this. And even though they keep doing it and God's pointing out, it's like you keep trusting these lies. Look at the beginning of it. He says, though, he says, but change your ways. If you change your ways, if you learn to trust me, stop believing in those lies, then, then I'll let you stay in this land. I will be with you. At another point in Joel, you probably know this verse. The prophet Joel, he says it this way. He says, return to the Lord your God. Come back to him. Stop trusting in these other things. Come back to him, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. Over and over and over again, we see God just reaching out to his people, just saying, trust me. Trust in me. And then in the book of Isaiah, we get this Christmas verse. I know some of y'all are probably thinking, where's the Christmas coming in? Here we go. In Isaiah, we get a prophecy. Now, it was a prophecy for them then, but it's a reality for us now. The prophet Isaiah, he says this. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, the hope that he's referring to has come to us. And God came to us in the form of a manger. God came and brought Jesus. Jesus came into this world to be a new king that would sit on the throne of a new kingdom. And that's what we celebrate, right? That's what we celebrate this time of year is because we're called to put our trust in the one that was born in a manger. Really is that prince of peace that provides the joy that we're looking for if we would just put our trust in him. Joy doesn't come from the results 
of what I can get or this Christmas season, what I can accomplish. Now, it's not in the results. It's in the relationship with the one who came to take away the sins of the world. And it feel like we just need to be reminded of this over and over and over again because of how many times we continue to believe the lies. So as we come to the end of our time together, I just want you to spend a moment reflecting where have you misplaced your trust? Like, what are we trusting in to bring us joy that's not trustworthy? Where have we believed the lies, when and then type of thinking? What, here's another way to put it. What have we made king in our lives? What's sitting on that throne that we really believe in? And if we believe in it, like our behavior you know, would say, this is what I believe is going to bring joy. Like, what is that? And whatever it might be, whether it's school or career or money or accomplishments, whatever that is, maybe, maybe we confess it. And we learn to take that off. It's my prayer that, that you would take whatever that is off the throne and let Jesus be that king that he came to be. Because when you learn to trust in him, you'll find the joy that you're looking for. Let's pray together. God, God, it's so, it's so good to know, God, that you're not caught up in results. Because if you were, what could we possibly do? How much could we possibly accomplish that would lead us close to you? God, there's nothing that we can do, God. We're so grateful for a passionate, loving God that comes after us, that you really want that relationship with us. So, Jesus, help us to not look for the joy that comes in the things of this world, but to understand that it doesn't come from all these other things that we put on the thrones in life, but God, that it comes from you being the King of Kings sitting on the throne in our lives. So God, whatever that area is in our life, God, maybe it's just making you Lord of all in our life. God, may that be our prayer today. Or maybe there's an area of our life where we're really believing that if I get this, then I'll find joy. God, whatever that is, help us to understand and help us to see the joy that you came to bring us. God, help us to serve you. Let our behavior say that you are the, ones that, we, that, you are the one that we believe in, that we trust in you. We thank you for being that wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It's in Jesus' name. We pray all these things. Amen and amen.